0: My red flag is I love Twilight. Just kidding. Not about loving Twilight because that's a fact. Team Edward forever, but I'm sure I have other red flags I can address later, but that's not what today's about. Today is just about red flags, but not just any red flags because we hear all the time about red flags, like the obvious ones that we're just not gonna waste time addressing because we need to save people from some of the hidden red flags that we have learned from our own personal hellish experiences in this hell dating world that we live in today. This is Bitch Out of Water, the show about trying things and hopefully learning from them. And hopefully we've learned from some of the red flags we're about to discuss. We can check in at the end of this episode on that. I'm Steph, joined by my favorite people in the world, Roxy Stryer. Having the best
1: red flag kind of day, yo.
0: Your whole house has turned into a red flag today.
1: Everything, you get a red flag, you get a red flag. Okay, I'll take it. The
0: good news is you're a green flag, and so is my other favorite human, Dorina Ariano.
2: Hola, amigos. How's everybody doing? Uh, I know Roxy is uh, her home is currently uh, a Sam Raimi or David Cronenberg film. So. Uh, this is this is how we do here at the world Girls excited to talk about red flags
0: yeah it's one of those ones where we're like what are we can't just say the the typical they lie they cheat they steal we need to get into what were the things that we were like oh that's okay and just kept going through until the end of the relationship we're like holy shit that was that was not okay so rocks i want to start with you
1: Yeah, I have so many red flags like you, Steph, and unlike our amazing friend, Darina. I have been in some extremely toxic relationships where there were red flags everywhere, lining the walls, in the sinks, on the ceilings, coming from the floor. Everything everywhere all at once? Yep, there were red flags everywhere all at once. And I was just like, you know what my favorite color is? Red. And I love it in the form of a flag. So... I have experienced many red flags and I would like to help prevent you guys from having to live through those red flags ultimately to learn that they were in fact a red flag and you should have run for the hills. One of the red flags that I missed when I was really young, and this is an ultimate red flag for people to learn, is when you are in a relationship and the person you're in a relationship keeps telling you that you're the cool girlfriend. This is Gaslighting 101 because what they're saying to you is that you cannot freak out or you will no longer be cool. And if you're not the cool girlfriend, they don't want to be with you. So I had a boyfriend who used to always tell me he was spending the night at Harper's or he was going to a dance with 10 other girls and no guys. And he would say, but I know you won't mind because you're the cool girlfriend. And I would say, I am the cool girlfriend. I'm cool. I'm chill. I'm, I'm the greatest girlfriend. And really what he was doing was sleeping with 14 different women when we were together and then making me feel like I couldn't ask any follow-up questions because no cool girlfriend would have questions about where their boyfriend was. That wouldn't be cool. No cool girlfriend would want to join. That wouldn't be cool. No cool girlfriend would want to have conversations or maybe a dialogue about certain situations because that wouldn't be cool. And when somebody calls you cool, it feels good. You want to be the cool girlfriend. So you just kind of shuffle into place. Big red flag. Learn that one early on.
0: Totally, dude. I feel this one because you do want to be the cool girlfriend. Or another word for this is the chill girlfriend. Those are synonymous with one another and it is so manipulative whether they know it or not to keep you in the box because you want to be described to their friends as the chill girlfriend or the cool girlfriend,
1: but really you're getting
2: taken advantage of.
1: Yeah, 1000%. Roxy,
2: when that relationship ended, were you like... Well, since you were the cool ex-boyfriend now, you don't mind that I was sleeping with 14 dudes, right? Or do do you at least kind of shove something in that dick's face?
1: Oh, I wish that I had been doing that. No, I was super loyal and incredibly supportive and a wildly great girlfriend the whole time. And even when we broke up, I was so sad and tried to tell everybody, no, no, he, you know, he's had a hard childhood. Life has been really hard for him. You don't know. I was still the cool girlfriend, yo cool till the end.
0: Let me ask you this, Rox, because this kind of had to do with one of my red flags. Was it in the same vein of that you didn't feel comfortable asking this person follow up questions because that wasn't cool? Like, oh, whose house are you going to? What are you doing? Just like things that you want to know about your partner, normal things, but they take defensively.
1: Right. Or even calling to check in. Right. So if he told me I'm going to Harper's house and then I'll come over afterwards, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, what time so I would just wait around and then all of a sudden it'd be midnight or one in the morning and I would call him and be like when are you gonna be here and he'd be like I don't know be cool and I was like oh yeah 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 for sure for sure let me be cool let me be cool bro sorry let me take back that question and then the next time I wouldn't ask because that's not cool because
0: you'd be scared of losing them because you're no longer cool
1: Yeah. What was what's your red flag? Similar stuff.
0: The thing that's similar to that is that when I would ask questions, I noticed that their first instinct was to get defensive. So and this happened a lot. The main thing that I think it led to was when they went out, they would always go out with the boys. Right. I'm just having a guy's night. We're just going to the club. It's not a big deal. And it's not, you know, everyone needs their time with their homies. I am so for that. We always talk about being your two independent people in one relationship, and you should have some independence with one another. But when every single time you go out, you just want to be with the guys. That sounds hella fucking sus to me, my guy. Sounds hella sus, especially because I'm not your average girlfriend you know I like to throw ass in the club and my man should want to catch that ass and if you don't want to catch that ass then whose ass are you catching (laughs) like anytime I ask questions who are you going out with what are you what are you doing so simple just the guys it's not a big deal you don't trust me well if you don't trust me then like what's the even point of us dating like I'm just going out what are you talking about and it turned into this whole fight To where I wouldn't feel comfortable asking any questions at all.
1: Why do you think he didn't want you around? I think two things.
0: One, he was doing sus shit that was unfaithful. That he didn't want me to see or be a part of. Like he didn't want me to see how his friends interacted. How he acted when he was out. What he was doing. Or sometimes... I think guys who just want to be with their guy friends all the time, are you gay? (laughs) (laughs) Like,
2: Like, why are you with a girlfriend? (laughs) Or are you just not comfortable being around women as you are with men? Or are you not your whole self as a guy when you're with women, right? Because that's a bizarre thing to me because both my husband and my boyfriend actually grew up with two younger sisters, And I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact at all that they're so chill and respectful towards women and also very comfortable with women as opposed to like these like stereotypical dude bros that it's like, oh, I'm with my guys on myself, but I'm with I'm with a lady. I'm just seeing her as a woman and as pussy versus a human being and not acting how I should.
1: It's a massive sign of immaturity because, you know, who just wants to hang out with their bros, people who are. 13 playing video games who think that girls stink and and they just don't grow out of that hey
2: i used to play video games at 13 though so
1: did i it's not about that women play video games too i'm just saying that as as somebody who grew up with a brother like you both of you guys i know that the conversations that boys used to have when they were young teenagers would be like we don't want to invite the girls over here because they suck they smell they're weird like whatever they would say about us and to have that kind of behavior in your mid to late 20s as a as a man, did you just never grow up? What happened?
0: Exactly. And then it's like to play into your first red flag rocks about wanting to be the cool girlfriend. You want to be the cool girlfriend. I wanted his friends to know that I was cool with him going out with them. But there's always an extreme and it becomes an extreme, especially when you convince yourself that you love this person so much. You don't want them to think that you're not cool. And you're so scared that they're going to le- at least from my experience, I was so scared he was going to leave me that I was able to and willing to bury my questions, my emotions, my thoughts, my concerns. So that is my first one. D, what is one of your
2: red flags? I guess it's a little bit related to what you guys are talking about and it's happened, you know, it can happen in either romantic relationships or friendships, but i think uh something that has happened to me with a lot of guy friends as well, just as i was a teenager and in college is the kind of when you're giving each other shit, but the guy actually ends up putting you down pretending they're teasing you. So it's like, oh, it's only a joke, but i'm pointing out your flaws, uh, you know, with like excessive sarcasm and kind of like a mean-spirited sense of humor. And I realized years later that it's a way to leverage power in the relationship. And I'm not saying that this is just a guy thing. I'm just saying in my experience, it's only happened to me with guys. Like it very rarely has happened with girls.
0: Yeah, I would have never thought about that because it. I do want to clarify for listeners, do all of us shit talk and take shit really well. Like, we are not sensitive when it comes to normal jokes and, but there's such a fine line between a joke and talking about like, oh my God, when you laugh, it kind of sounds like there's gravel in your throat, like something like that. I can't think of a better
2: better example right now or like- Or just, ha ha ha, you're really Mexican, you know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's something that happened to me a lot, literally. I'm not joking when I first moved to the States. most friends, both men and women, but mostly men, were like making jokes about the fact that this is our friend who is not an American white person, so she's Mexican. so we just tease her about the fact that she is not one of us right and I didn't realize late until later that that's not good and obviously, like Steph says, we all give each other shit because it's fun and and we consider laughter therapeutic, however. There's a difference between like couples that kind of roast each other in a consensual fun way versus like partners that just make you feel bad about yourself.
0: Totally. I've seen some of my friends in relationships where I never say shit because it's not, I'm not in their relationship, but I'll kind of peep it where I'm like, that was like not funny. That was mean. Like you're talking about their personality or you're talking about something that's integral to who they are And then it's not, it's like, do you not like the person? You know what I mean? Because it it kind of sounds like that's coming from a place that's not to just joke around. It's like your time to share your complaint about someone's, I don't know, heritage. Or like, I remember I had an ex who would talk about how I had a unibrow all the time. (laughs) and It was like, this was before I was like really good at grooming and getting my
1: brows right. How would he say it to you? He would say about you or to your face? To my face. Like, he would be like, damn, like, how is your unibrow
0: already growing back? And then make some sort of Middle Eastern joke. Like, must be because you're Arab or whatever it was. And it was like, it was funny. And then I'm like, do you think it's ugly that I grow hair fast? (laughs) Like, There's nothing I can do
2: about it. (laughs) That's so weird to just pinpoint that as like, oh, you're different because we go to like, you know, a mostly white school or some shit like that's just bizarre it's a bizarre thing i think it's just the 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 key in this particular red flag to me is like if you tell your partner or your friend what you're saying about me or or how you tease me it hurts my feelings and that person takes that into consideration cool but if they don't if the behavior doesn't change then that's when you know it's like all right peace or they call you sensitive like oh you're just being a baby
1: i see this as another sign of immaturity because it is very similar to when we are growing up and told that if the kid pulls your hair on the schoolyard that they like you it's when you're an adult the version of that is oh if they put you down they're really complimenting you and that's not fucking true if you would like to say something nice about me you should say something nice about me instead of saying something really rude thinking that that's flirting or friendly or funny because it's fun to rib each other sometimes on silly, stupid, small things. But when that becomes the the entire core of your relationship, it's not fun.
0: Yes. Like, there's just such a difference between a joke and something that has more deep meaning that I feel like they're using a joke as a tool of messaging or control. Like, I had one guy who I actually thought it was so funny. Whenever we were eating, he... And he knew he could do this to me because I am not insecure about this specific thing. He'd be like, oh, you fat cow or like you, you cute little cow. And I actually thought that was kind of funny, like calling me a little cow. But <laughs> then there's something like if I had expressed how I was like, oh, I feel really insecure right now. I've just gained a lot of weight during the holidays, whatever it is. And then they're like, you're being a cow. So that's just different. Like you've, I've expressed something that makes me insecure and you're still using a derogatory term in that vein.
1: A hundred percent. Similar, similar to me. I had an ex who always used to call me Princess Roxy and it pissed me off so much because I would say something like, oh, could we go after school to the mall because I wanted to make sure I pick up a card for my mom for her birthday or something and he would say yes princess roxy like there was nothing i couldn't ask there's nothing i could ask that he wouldn't follow up with princess roxy and they would be the smallest little requests that it it got it started to be really annoying like in theory princess roxy is not that horrible but i had expressed him several times when you call me princess it makes me feel bad like you're an inconvenience right exactly
2: well and it's like it's a weird form of manipulation to say oh anything you need any of your needs are just you're just being high maintenance or just being a diva
1: right and they would be the smallest things like oh i'm kind of tired i think i need to take a nap before we go to the movies whatever you need princess roxy and it's kind of similar to what you're saying d where at some point it's like a little rib and then at another point it's like stop enough's enough I've said no more. And
0: then, at least in my experience, I've changed my behaviors due to that. I've had a boy ex boyfriend call me dramatic all the time about like little things, like if a bug flew on me, and I'd be like, oh, "Fuck this bug, whatever it is." I, I am dramatic. We do a fucking podcast and a show. It's part of our jobs. If we weren't a little bit dramatic, then maybe we shouldn't be on the mic so fucking much. But I would then, I began realizing a year later, I was way less expressive because I was so afraid of being called that all the time for just expressing myself. It's not like I was like dramatic in the sense that a fly flew on me and I'm like, I'm going to terminate all fucking flies forever flying on me again. Like It's not like that. It was like little things that abusive people will make you feel really bad about.
2: Totally. And uh, that's uh, th- going back to the thing that made Steph laugh out loud, rightfully so. It's like, oh, you-, you know, you're so Mexican. I mean, why do you think my, I try to get rid of my accent so hard in college? That's why. Because like everything Drina says is funny with her little accent. It's like, ja, 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 ja. Yeah. And it fucks with you. Totally.
0: Oh. I love your accent. When it comes out, I'm like, oh, soothe me more, you sexy vixen.
1: It's a lot sexier than my accent, D, so hang on tight. I don't know. I love water.
0: (laughs) We love a Boston girl. What is another hidden red flag that you found out later,
1: Rox? This is a huge red flag, and it is something that is very uncomfortable to address, but we have to. Anytime your partner picks their parents over you, it is a big red flag. When you are in a relationship with somebody, it is about building that bond together. And it can be awkward at first because your parents are oftentimes the people who raised you. And those are the people that you would bat for and defend. But when you are in a relationship and you are trying to start a new family, and somebody consistently is defending their parents, it's a Big problem because they're not looking at their parents as people. They're looking at their parents on a pedestal and they're not seeing them for their flaws. So, when I was dating my ex, we were dating for years, and my ex's mother really didn't like me. And it's okay to not like somebody, but there needs to be some kind of reason. And she had none, so she would make things up. When we would be together talking at the dinner table, If they were talking about how incredible Barack Obama was, and I would say something along the lines of, but I didn't really like his recent policy on blank, she would then say that it's not a woman's place to talk politics. It's not polite for a woman to talk politics at the table, even though she was talking politics, right? There would be moments like that throughout. And there was one time when we really were not getting along. And I had food poisoning I or a stomach bug. I had a stomach flu, actually, that his little niece had given me. And I'm staying at his parents' place or at his mother's home. I have a stomach bug. I cannot stop puking. I am in so much pain. I'm really uncomfortable. I'm far from home. And he told me that he wanted to go out with his sister for lunch. So I said, no problem. Go ahead. So I'm I'm home puking. And his mom comes and knocks on my door and said, hey, would you mind coming with me to go get coffee? And it was the first time she'd ever reached out to me about talking to me about anything. So no matter how sick I was, I just decided, okay, I got to go. I got to get suck it up and go for this coffee. So I said, great, where are we going? And she said, it's only down the road. Now, mind you, it was snowing. It was extremely cold. I was super sick. And this was a two mile walk away from where she lived, even though she said just down the road. So we are walking for about 40 minutes to get to this place in the snow. I am so unwell. We get into the coffee place and she has me buy her coffee, which I thought was interesting because all family dynamics are different. But in my family, if my dad had asked my boyfriend for coffee, he certainly would have been the purchaser of the coffee. Well,
2: as a as a woman, you should buy the coffee though, right?
1: Right. Good point. So we sit down and she decides to air out her grievances with me in full. We have an hour-long coffee that was one of the most excruciating experiences of my life where I said about four words the entire time and she just went through how I shouldn't be speaking about politics or religion, how my boyfriend didn't even want to move in with me and that I shouldn't have pressured him, even though he's the one who asked me to move in and I never once brought it up. Just an entire list of things that I don't understand men. And then finally she said to me, you really need to learn to be softer because I know your mother isn't here to tell you this, but if she was, she would tell you you need to be softer. And I looked completely stunned, and she said to me, how come you're not saying anything? And I said, to be honest, I don't know what to say. I'm just trying to get through this. So we walk home. It's brutal. I'm sick. I'm miserable. I know the love of my life's mother hates me, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's just because it's her baby boy. And we get back and we're about to fly out to leave. So I wait till we're in the car. We get to the airport. I tell my boyfriend what has happened. And the first words out of his mouth were, my mother would never say that. (laughs) My mother. My mother would never say that. And I'll never forget that moment because yes, she did. She would say it because she did say it and i feel like that was actually the the moment the moment that i realized things were not going to work out and we dated for years after that but when somebody picks their parent over you in such a definitive way that they don't even believe you when you're speaking the truth it's very hard to move forward from that it's a huge red flag when somebody does not see that their parents can be wrong and I think this happens in a lot of relationships where a mom or a dad will say something or do something really messed up. But because it's your parents and the position of authority has always been respect your parent, trust your parent, whatever it is, we don't stand up for our friends or our partners because that's your parent. But when you are trying to start a life with somebody, you need to prioritize that person. And so when anybody picks their mom or their dad over their spouse or significant other massive red flag big red flag
2: no kidding and let alone the fact that it's like it's not just even with a parent or a family member but like if you're with your partner and they're telling you this person said this whoever they may be and your partner's like no what you're telling me is not true you're telling me that you're lying that's what he did at that moment instead of showing support and being like okay let's talk about this like what did she say that's what he should have done if he's actually a supportive partner who's putting you as his priority
1: that's insane The first words, my mother would never say that and I'll never forget it. And that exact phrase is something that came up 5,000 times throughout the rest of our relationship.
0: Well, and I think calling her mother, it was a red flag in its own that we can talk about at a different time.
1: (laughs) My mother would never say that.
0: It's giving Stockholm syndrome energy. (laughs) A lot of you know Roxy and you know her story, but I want, if you are a new listener and you don't know this, Roxy's amazing mom, Lori, passed away. So for her to say, your mom's not here. I, I just wanted to clarify like how actually bad that statement was.
1: It was so disrespectful that you guys know me. This never happens to me, but the woman was too stunned to speak. I didn't have a response because nothing I could say in that moment would be respectful anymore. If you're going to bring up my dead mother and what she thinks I need to be when you've never met that person, then I don't have a response to you that is kind. So I'm going to just shut down and go silent. And, and the best part was she, when speaking to her son, he called to ask about it and she said, We had a beautiful coffee date. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: (laughs) She is a telenovela villain, this woman. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. How arrogant of somebody to be like, I need to tell this woman that's with my son that she has to behave a certain way. Uh, Otherwise, she cannot be part of this family. Like that is legit telenovela, old lady, matriarch villain vibes. And how disrespectful to like bring up your mom. Lori would be like, fuck her.
0: (laughs) And it was she was saying soft, like be soft, meaning I it's not about like you said something racist. It's not about your character. It's about your personality and fitting you into a girl box that was made in the 1950s. And that to me is the part that's like so gross.
1: Yeah, the whole thing was disgusting and definitely was the downfall of an entire, the start of a downfall of a relationship because what do you do from there? That's a, it's a really hard pivot point.
0: Just, I found like a really good way to kind, it is like an early red flag to see how for I don't know it from any other way other than when I'm dating a guy and you see a son and mother, son and mom relationship. It says a lot about what's to come because there are very controlling moms out there. Something about moms with their sons. I don't know because I don't have kids, but there's something in the water there. Just in the same way dads are with their daughters. But I would say even more of a chokehold with moms and sons. I was dating someone in high school whose mom was so overbearing and controlling to him and it was suffocating in our relationship and it actually made him kind of like, I never used this word, but like demasculinized. Like it just made, it was just so unsexy how much he was just, I respect my parents and I answer my parents' calls, but if I'm 18, you're not giving me a 10 p.m. curfew, mom. And that's what she did. And he would go home at 10 p.m. when we were 18, senior year, every day. And I'm like, we can't have a date like this.
2: (laughs) Were you dating Norman Bates
1: from Psycho or what's up? (laughs) I hear what you're saying, though, Steph, because, again, it all comes to the lack of maturity where how are you supposed to picture your life with somebody when that person answers to another person's approval? Like when you're just looking for your mommy's approval, you're a child, and it's not sexy.
2: Yeah. And obviously, there's a huge difference between you know looking for validation uh, and respect from your parents versus and respecting your parents as well versus not having any sense of who you are and an individual outside of that uh, and standing up to your parents when they're wrong because parents, as Roxy said, are not perfect. So Roxy, what made you actually at that age? Obviously, you're much wiser and older now. But um, what do you think made you continue that, knowing that red flag?
1: I think that you hope that as time goes on, somebody will pick you, choose you, love you. But oftentimes, the first person somebody shows you to be is the person they really are. And so... We all hope for the best in everyone and I really believe that people are able to change. I know people are capable of change because I have changed who I am so I know it's possible but they tell you not to fall in love with somebody's potential for that exact reason and there wasn't a single day in my six-year relationship with this person that he picked me over his mother not one day and that was a problem from one year in till year six so I I sat there and I waited and I hoped and I thought if I explain it this way or if he sees this thing. But even when he would witness something, it's like he was blacked out. He couldn't. He couldn't possibly come to grips with what was happening.
0: And it kind of makes you the villain, right? Where you're like, even have to say pick me over your mom, right? Is such a bad position to be in,
1: and a sentence that I was unwilling to say because you shouldn't have to, right?
0: Damn. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think a lot of people don't talk about at all because you want them to be close with their parents, but not that close. (laughs) Not that kind of close.
1: There's that healthy level of close, right? Close where there's a respect for each other, where when you visit on holidays, it, it turns out well, but not close where they can't live their life without acceptance from their mom. Yeah. Oh. Good one.
0: The next one on my list is that I was dating a guy and we had just started dating and he, we had the normal conversation of talking about our exes, which is a thing that I don't always think is necessary. I think it's important to know a little bit about your past, but in this regard, I should have known a little bit earlier. He described this whole setting in which He had not dated in a while because he was so scarred because every girl he had ever dated was a psycho and a bitch and crazy, the big C word, crazy, and gave me this whole elaborate story about how this one girl and him were fighting so badly that she ripped out her hair and like left the car, like made him pull over and left the car. And I remember being like, damn, she is crazy. That's crazy. And I validated those statements. And about two years into the relationship, after withstanding a ton of red flags and manipulative toxic behavior at the hands of this man, I found myself wanting to rip my fucking hair out and asking to pull over the car because I wanted to get the fuck out. And at that moment I realized this guy was the problem. She was probably not the problem. Now I can never confirm that, but I f- I found that with a lot of guys who call all of their exes crazy, either A, they might have been the thing that turned them crazy we all have to take some responsibility for ourselves but like when you're young and you're in an abusive relationship and you're taking a lot of toxicity like you can turn a little crazy and I started to see that in my own self where I was like oh my god I'm getting a little bit crazy because I'm in a relationship with someone who doesn't know how to communicate with me who will gaslight me who will tell me I'm crazy if I'm feeling some sort of way and then I was like wow like And then I started talking to more of my friends about it and they would be dating guys who would say the same thing. And then they ended up being cheaters, liars, abusers, or fill in the rest of the blank for things that make women go crazy. And I remember I was getting, I've been out of that relationship for a while now, but I kept on holding, I kind of became him where I started talking to guys I'd go on dates with and be like, yeah, all my exes are crazy. And I would tell, I was telling her like, yeah, all my exes are crazy. And she stopped me. This is why hairstylists are like so fucking cool. And she was like, girl, I feel you. He probably was crazy, but you know what? Telling a guy that is not going to be helpful. Just like it was not helpful for him to tell you, even if he was the crazy one. And she goes, you know what I do now? And I'm going to share this now as a pro tip, as a counter to the red flag. She's like, I tell every man that I'm dating that. I've been treated like a fucking queen because I don't expect anything less. And now I don't get anything less. And I was like, that's kind of cool for me to change my mindset about, I don't want to carry that narrative that this man carried about his exes just because they're, I'm saying this to say sometimes your exes are crazy, but that's like not the narrative And also there are people who will say all their exes are crazy and they are usually the problem.
1: I also think crazy is the least descriptive word possible because it runs such a gambit, right? Like you could say my ex cheated on me, but that's not when I hear he's crazy. That's not what I think of. So it's not that descriptive. So it's not that helpful to say when we call people crazy. It's like, what does that mean? Mental institution that they say things you disagree with, that they jump on the table. Like what does crazy even look like? So I'm so, I'm so with you. And I also think what a crazy, incredible, full circle moment that you had hearing somebody say about this girl. And it it really reminds me of when Dr. Drea came on our podcast and talked about HCPs that make you feel like you should key their car. Because there are certain people out there who drive people nuts, and it, it just exists. And that's a, a huge red flag in itself. So in am so happy that you didn't pull out your hair, as is everybody listening to this. Steph has the most amazing hair, and it needs to stay right on her head. And thank God his gaslighting ass did not make you lose your locks.
2: Yeah, and this is this is really proof of Steph being uh, the youngest world girl, however, very emotionally mature because it's a huge sign of emotionally maturity when somebody says oh i'm no longer with this person romantically you know because we just didn't vibe or it didn't work out as opposed to just completely taking zero ownership of your part in the relationship right and being like no the entire blame we are no longer together because the entire blame is solely on that person and i am perfect and i did nothing wrong obviously huge red flag there if that's the case
0: right like it's like even though this ex-specific I'm talking about, turned out to be abusive, I wasn't clear of any issues. You know, I learned a lot in that relationship. I I didn't do everything perfect. And so it was just a really good lesson to me that it is a red flag for people to say all their exes are crazy or to describe and not to be, like Roxy said, the only word. Because what does that even mean? You know, so that one what is another one that you have?
2: So I, uh, unlike my girls here, I have not had as many uh, of these crazy relationships they've had. I have been mostly single or on long-term relationships, but I definitely have been approached a lot and sort of have people considered me dating, even though I didn't want to date them. But a big thing that I've noticed up until today is whenever a guy says, I don't eat pussy. (laughs) This is something that I've been hearing since I was in college all the way to now. Whenever a guy focuses on the fact that the pleasure in the bedroom is focused on himself and not the woman, I mean, that is probably the biggest turnoff if I'm talking to a man at a bar I obviously immediately, I'm like, oh, you know, my pussy just went incredibly dry and I, you would never come anywhere near it, but let's talk about it so I can help you realize, you know, where you're, you're failing here. And it sucks because I have so many girlfriends as we all grew up in different manners in society of, uh, you know, Christian upbringing or Catholic or all this bullshit that has taught women to not care about their own pleasure, right? We've been taught to not even think about our own sexual pleasure and we could do a whole freaking podcast episode on this because it's really angering that we gotten to this point and you know we've been painted this stupid ass two option boxes of like you're either a virgin or you're a slut if you have any pleasure so it's really disgusting when a guy (laughs) says I have no interest in pleasuring you because sex is about the man's pleasure
1: it's wild what a point of pride it is for some men because I don't mind somebody who's never eaten pussy. That's not the point. It's when people declare that they don't. And why do you feel good about that? Like, what part of you feels that it is impressive that you don't want to please a woman? It's a really, really not acceptable way of living when you're just saying, This is something I don't do because I know you like it. The fuck?
0: What the fuck? It's like that DJ Khaled interview when he's like, I'm a king. I don't do that. Okay, weirdo. Just shut the fuck up. It was the... I can't even listen to this guy anymore. Already I shouldn't have another one. Shut up. Sit down, DJ Khaled. You should be so lucky to eat pussy, you weirdo. But I think it like perpetuates this really, really awful stereotype that we have about vaginas being gross. And I need it to end because vaginas are the greatest thing ever. It creates life and orgasms. What the fuck else could you want in something? It is like the most beautiful thing. And if you think dicks don't smell and don't stink ever, then you are delusional. It's like this narrative that we've only put on women. Like it's like that you. it's gross or it's demasculating. It's and they're both so wrong. And I think all of us can agree. Ladies, you answer this. He's a six, but he can eat pussy like a champ. Ten.
2: Goes up to an 11. <laughs> I'm a a spinal tap whore. That's an 11 for me.
1: (laughs) It never, ever would somebody say to me, I don't eat pussy and I would ever have sex with them. Never, ever in my life would that happen. Not one time. If they said it like that, not I've never eaten pussy or I don't know if I'm very good at it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if they say, I don't eat pussy. That is an immediate panty polar-upper. Yes. There's a no.
2: Yeah, the legs close, the vagina dries up, uh, all the different curtains, you know, they roll. And I'm sure I've heard these stories from these ladies too where, you know, you give a man a blowjob and then he's like, thanks, but there's no reciprocation. That's basically a huge red flag as well.
0: It's saying the same thing by actions rather than words. This is why your words become your actions because... If you thought about pleasure in the way Doreen has been talking about, where it's a two-way street or how many participating parties are included, it's a multiple-way street. It involves everyone and everyone having a happy ending. And if you don't see it like that, then you don't see pleasure in a way that is humanizing and actually real. And then, no, you should never get fucked. And I feel so bad for some of my women friends who are like, don't even like people going down on them. And I'm not saying like everyone in the world doesn't like people going down on them because maybe they have different nerve endings and it feels different, whatever it may be. I'm leaving room for that. But I think 99% of the time, if you don't like men going down on you, it's because you've let these horrible men in society convince you that your vagina is gross and you shouldn't be feeling pleasure by having someone go down on you.
2: Exactamente, mija. Okay.
0: Well, those are our main hidden red flags that we found out through experience. There's many more, but those were the main ones that we wanted to share with you all today. And we have a Patreon question. If you are not a Patreon member already, do so. We love our world friends, our patrons, and you can ask questions that we get love to answer and just get more involved with Y'all, D, do you have that question?
2: Yes, uh, from our patron, Mark Ali. Thank you, Mark. He asks, what are some red flags that you've identified in friends' relationships, romantic or otherwise,
1: that they just cannot see? For me, I think the biggest friend red flag is when nothing you do is enough. I think we've all had those friends that you just can't please, No matter how many times you see them, it's not enough. No matter how many times you call, the first thing is you haven't called in a long time or when you hang out with them, it's I haven't seen you in forever or whatever it is, it's just never enough. That is a huge red flag to me because those are the kind of friends that I had when I was a kid. When you live next door to somebody so you can just wander over, but as an adult, you have lives and whatever your friendship style is has to be enough or you're not the right friend for them.
2: Yeah, and they definitely don't see that. It's similar, Roxy, to um, one of them, I guess, that I remember that has happened with more than one person is avoidance of uncomfortable subjects. Like in any, whether it's romantic or friendships, like if you cannot sit down and have difficult conversations, you know, if the person is constantly changing the subject, if they won't talk to you about what, even if it's uh, something like politics, right? Your own status of the relationship, like just, have, just being able to sit down and talk about something serious. Like, if they can't do that, you're not going to have that strong bond with the person, whether it is a friendship or romantically. And I've seen so many people just avoid these subjects, change the subject, and like not want to, I guess, choose to have that type of relationship with you.
0: I heard this question a little bit differently about how you view your friends' relationships. Like if there's red flags you've seen in the friend's relationship. Oh word. Oh,
1: in people who are dating? Yeah. But I'm glad
0: we get got those two answers. I'm just this is why the word there's three of us. We always have like a different understanding inside to things. In a friend's relationship, one thing that I've noticed is that when they don't feel comfortable bringing their partner around without a bevy of, like, information or, like, what's the word, like, qualifications or validations, like, they're so worried about how you might think that they're going to react, like, oh, by the way, I have to tell you, like, he grew up in the South, okay, his parents were really conservative and religious And we're working on it. But sometimes he says things and it's like, it's okay. I'll figure it out for myself. But if you have to give that much, (laughs) that much of an essay for me to be prepared to meet someone or to hang out with them or to feel comfortable, maybe that's early signs that it's not going to work out.
1: (laughs) It's the preface, yo. Oh, the preface. It's the prefacing. That's what it is. I'm so with you. Anytime my friend is dating somebody and it, it you need a, a monologue first, you can't meet this person without a preface. That's a tough one, dude, because I shouldn't need a preface for your partner.
0: <laughs> that's what the word is. Thank you. A preface for your partner. That's it.
2: What a quote. Well, in that case, and something very simple I think we all agree on is when you meet uh, your friend's either boyfriend or girlfriend, and they're rude to the waiter. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. It's just immediately, how are you dating this person? And I have to tell them. I can't not tell my friend.
1: And insert any word there. The valet person, the waiter, the security guard, whatever the person is.
2: Anybody in the service industry, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Oof the worst
0: well that wraps up this edition of bitch out of water we talked about some of the red flags we found along the way i hope it helps you i hope it's helped us (laughs) i feel like i've learned some new things that i'll take into my new relationships or roxy and i's never ending experiences of dating in la but thank you for being a bitch out of water with us and learning more about these red flags we appreciate you listening if you want to be the first to get all thing world girls go to patreon.com slash the world girls and you can watch our podcast tapings live, be able to ask questions, actually see our faces and connect with you on a whole different level. We go live on youtube.com slash theworldgirls every Wednesday and Sunday. So check us out there and also on social media, on Twitter and TikTok at the world Girls and on Instagram at WorldGirlsWOP. And I hope everyone who has a pussy to keep wet stays wet and stays away from people who don't go down on you because we learned today fuck that uh we're still a bit new here so we appreciate you listening so much and being a part of bitch out of water please leave a review if you haven't already five stars we really really appreciate it and remember we're all gonna die so don't be a dick and stay wet my friends